I think your heart has to go out to this guy, especially if you know the whole story. First of all, he was blind, and he had been from birth, and he was an adult now. I don't know all of you in your histories, but I don't think any of you were born blind and couldn't see for the first X number of years of your life. Just imagine, imagine only seeing the back of your eyelids, never seeing anything else, just black, darkness, your whole life. Your heart's got to go out to him. And, and then furthermore, people held this against him and they blamed him for it. Even the disciples, they said, who sinned, this guy or his parents, that he was born blind? Because it must be his fault for such a horrible thing to happen to him. So imagine you're blind, you're reduced to simply begging for everything, and people assume that it's your fault. Your heart goes out to this guy. And then the unthinkable happens. Then Jesus comes, and, and he doesn't just give the guy food or money. He gives him his sight. Incre like, this guy probably never imagined he would ever see. He didn't even know what seeing was, because he had never experienced it. And then it comes, and it, and it happens, and Jesus heals him. This is the most wonderful day of his life, or so you would think. Because he sees for the first time, and then what does he see? He sees people who will turn on him like that. Because his neighbors, maybe his friends even, they didn't believe him. They didn't actually believe he was the same guy who had been born blind. They, they just couldn't believe it. And then they took him to the Pharisees. And if you're reading the Bible and you ever hear that someone got taken to the Pharisees, it's just almost never a good thing. Because the Pharisees, I think the phrase is, they, they make lemons out of lemonade. And they'll take anything and turn it against you so it works out for themselves. Even something amazingly incredible like this, a guy who had been blind his entire life, now he can see, and they made an issue out of it. Because they were worried. Actually, they weren't worried. They were, you know, in a horrible way, they were worried that it hadn't been done the right way or by the right person, and it was done on the Sabbath day, and well, you're not supposed to heal people of their blindness on the Sabbath day because they made all these extra rules. And so they held it against him. They blamed the guy and, and they basically told him it's a bad thing that you can now see because it wasn't done by the right person or in the right way or on the right day. And then his parents, who you'd think would be on his side. His parents, the, the Pharisees asked them, well, you know, is this your son? Was he blind? Can he now see? And, and did Jesus do this? And you'd think his parents would be right there. This was their son who had been blind his entire life, but they throw him under the bus. Because if you read John 9, you'll see that they said, well, all we know is that he was blind, but now he can see. We, we don't know how it happened, even though they almost certainly knew how it happened. But they were too cowardly because the Pharisees had this rule that if you acknowledged who Jesus was or you spoke in a wonderful way about Jesus, they'd throw you up. They'd throw you out of society because the Pharisees, they had all sorts of religious and government power. So his parents said, well, he's an adult. Let him answer for himself. Basically, they were saying, just think about this. If you're a parent, would you do this to your kids? He had been blind his whole life. He had begged for everything he ever had. And then now it's the best day of his life. He can see. And they say, oh, you know, we don't want to get thrown out by the Pharisees. So, you know, ask our son. We're, we're pretty okay if you throw him out, but not us. 
his own parents even turned his back on him on the best, what you would think would be the best day of his life. And then the Pharisees, the most powerful people in the area, they come at him again. And they say things to him like, give glory to God. We know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. In other words, they're saying, hey, you who are healed by Jesus, if you don't denounce Jesus right now, you're not giving glory to God. And then they insulted him. And they called him a liar. And then when he just kept on speaking the truth about Jesus to them, they, they just retorted, um, you have been steeped in sin from birth. And they threw him out. And when they threw him out, it means he was basically separated from all society, economic, religious, social society. He was out. He was cast out all by himself on what you think would have been the best day of his life. Imagine if your church family, and imagine that you're incredibly close to your church family. Imagine if one day they just said, no, you're not welcome here anymore. We never want to speak to you or hear from you again, ever. Or imagine your friends refuse to answer your texts, and if you call them, they just send you straight to voicemail every single time. Or imagine that your family said, mm, we don't care about you at all. You can just go and we don't mind if we never, ever, ever see you again. The best day of his life, he could never see and now he could. And then he was thrown out of society because this wonderful healing had come between them. The fact that Jesus healed him, it came between him and his parents, him and his neighbors, him and the religious leaders. It came between him and everybody because of all their sin. It wasn't his fault. It wasn't Jesus' fault. But it happened. Your heart has got to go out to this man. And then Jesus went looking. Did you notice that? He got thrown out of the synagogue, and then verse 35 says, When Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, he went and found him. And if you find something, it means that you're looking for something. Which means that Jesus, who, you know, he didn't owe this guy anything. He had already given him sight. What more could you expect from Jesus? But he went out of his way to go find an outcast, and, and you just didn't do that in Jewish society. Jesus went out of his way to look for the guy, and he found him. And the whole saga of John chapter 9, it's all coming to this moment where Jesus asked him a question. Do you see? Do you see the Son of Man? He says, I don't know who he is. Show me. And then Jesus says, the one you're looking at. And he could never look at him before that day. He says, I am the one who was promised to come to give sight to the blind and to save you from your sins. And then the man says, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped Jesus. It was all coming to that. The point was not that the blind man could see. The point was that the blind man could now see and he saw his Savior. And then Jesus said this, For judgments I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. And with that, our takeaway for today, 
is three words. We need judgment. It's not just that judgment when properly used is a good thing for us. No, we need, we need judgment. And today the definition of judgment is this. Accurately describing reality. We need judgment. We need people to accurately describe reality. Think about if it were different. Think about if John chapter 9 were a judgment-free zone. Imagine if it said, Jesus saw a man who was born blind as he went along, but Jesus didn't want to point out his flaw, the fact that he was blind, so Jesus pretended the man could actually see perfectly. No judgment there. But what good would that have done? No, absolutely no good at all. First of all, the guy would still be blind. And sure, he wouldn't have went through what he did with his parents and the Pharisees and his neighbors, but he would still be blind. Plus, if you go up to a blind person and you treat them like they can see, that's incredibly uh, cold-hearted, um, maybe even cruel. If you go to a blind person and, and refuse to acknowledge the issue that they have and treat them like they can see, if you don't describe reality accurately with a blind person, it's, it's not good for anybody. They're not going to appreciate you, and you're certainly not treating them well. Um, so, quick takeaway for us. In, in your life, when someone comes to you and they accurately describe your reality, when they point out something that you did wrong, like a little brother or sister who came and punched you, and then you say to them, hey, you punched me, and that hurt. When they do that, but in more adult ways, in more complex ways, when they come and, and point out your sin, when they accurately describe reality, say thank you. Say thank you. Because we need, we need judgment. Just like it wouldn't have done the guy any good if Jesus had gone up to him and pretended he wasn't blind. It doesn't do us any good when we want people to come up to us and pretend like we don't ever do anything wrong. So if someone judges you and accurately describes the reality that you're not perfect, give them a hug if you're a hugger and say thank you. Because the fact is, every single one of us has been born blind and we have to acknowledge it. Jesus said in the last verse here, now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Now, the last couple verses of this, of this section, they get a little confusing because he talks about the blind being made to see, the ones who see remaining blind. What does it all mean? Well, he makes it clear here in the last section. He says, if you claim to see, your guilt remains. And Jesus here, he was talking about the Pharisees because they claimed to be able to see all on their own. They claimed that their view of reality was what was accurate. They claimed that they didn't need Jesus and that they alone had the right view on things. And so, in the end, their guilt remained because they refused to see their Savior. You see this a few times in John 9. They refused to believe that the man had been blind from birth. They refused to believe that Jesus was the one who healed the man. And then finally, they refused to believe that Jesus was actually from God. And then they refused to even logically interact with the man, too. 
when he showed them over and over and over again, no, Jesus did this. They finally just got upset like little children. And they said, forget you. You're just a, you're just a horrible sinner. Get out of here. We're better than you. They refused to be lectured, but they lectured him. They refused to let anyone accurately describe their reality to judge them, but they insisted on judging other people. They thought, they claimed to be able to see everything perfectly, but without the lens of Jesus. And the fact is, and this is mostly just sad, it's really sad, but it's the truth, and Jesus says it. When Jesus comes and he judges, when he accurately describes our realities, if we realize that we need him, we're going to end up seeing him. But if we claim that we can see perfectly without him, we're going to be left in blindness, and our guilt remains. Because, well, because even the best judgment in the world, it means nothing to you, and it does nothing for you, if you refuse to see it. Jesus came to fix what was wrong. And at the end of the account, when he went and found the guy, man, there wasn't anything between that guy and anyone else. From the man's perspective, the no longer blind man, there was nothing between him and anybody. Not between him and the Pharisees, he didn't care about it. Not between him and his parents. Not between him and his neighbors. It was just him and Jesus. He was so focused on Jesus and the fact that Jesus was the one who had promised to come and take away his sins. It was all he could think about. There's nothing between him and anyone else because he was blind and he knew it. He knew he needed to be given sight and Jesus gave him that sight physically and Jesus gave him that sight spiritually. But with the Pharisees, oh, they still had it out for that guy, I'm sure. And when they heard later, this isn't in the Bible, but I'm guessing that when they heard later that Jesus went and found him, I bet they were even more angry with him than they were to start with. Because they claimed to have the right view of accurate reality. But they left out Jesus. Even the best judgment, it, it won't mean anything for you, or for anyone, if you refuse if you refuse to see it. So if the man, imagine Jesus came to the man and said, hey, you're blind, I can give you sight. And the man said, no, 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 I'm not blind, what are you talking about? But he actually was? Well then, Jesus said, like, he would still be blind. Or imagine that someone comes up to you or me and says, hey, you did this thing wrong. And Jesus gives forgiveness for that sin that you did, but you refuse to see it. And you say, what are you talking about? Forget you, you're a sin, you're, you're worse than I am. I don't need you telling me what I did wrong. Well, if we refuse to see the judgment, even the best judgment, it does nothing for us. This is what happened with the Pharisees. Jesus told them over and over and over again, you can't earn your way into God's favor because you're not perfect. But they refused to see it. Jesus said because they claimed to see all on their own, their guilt remained. We need judgment. Judgment is the best for us. But it does nothing for us 
if we refuse to see it from Jesus or if we refuse to see it from other people. I spoke the best words, maybe the best words in the Bible to you earlier in the service from Romans 8 verse 1. It says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And to be in Christ Jesus, it means that you accept Jesus' judgment. His judgment that we do sinful things every day and that we need Him as our Savior. Now maybe I'm going to sound like a broken record when I say this because I've said a version of this the last three weeks, but I'm not going to apologize and I don't care if I sound like a broken record because this is the best, the best broken record. The fact that judgment exists, I know we don't like it. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to think about it. We don't like to be judged. But the fact that judgment exists, it is the best thing for you. Because whether you like it or not, there's guilt that lives inside. And Jesus' judgment, yes, his acknowledgement that you're a sinner and that I am too, but even better, his judgment on himself, it's the best thing for you. Jesus came down to earth, like we sang just a minute ago, to be with us. So that judgment of guilt would be on him. And judgment of guilt would never, ever be on you. I have hell to pay for my sins. Except for the fact that there's no hell left to pay. Because Jesus paid it all. He allowed himself to be judged guilty so that you never would be. Maybe I sound like a broken record, but I don't care because that is the best news ever. So, Christianity, it means judging. It means accurately describing reality for yourself. And the accurate reality for each one of us is this, that I am the worst. I am worse than I would ever want to admit. I do more wrong things, I think more wrong things, and I would, it would make me red in the face a hundred times over to admit them to you. And it's the same for all of us. And at the same time, there is a God who is willing to himself be judged guilty of everything I have done wrong so that you would always be seen as perfectly innocent. There is the God who loves you at the same time that I know I'm the worst, at the same time, there's the God who loves you more than you ever thought possible someone could love you. That's Christianity. That's judging. That is accurately describing reality. The worst and so loved at exactly the same time. And remember, it, it does us no good to run away from judgment to not acknowledge our blindness. We would still be blind if that's what we did. So, when Jesus comes to judge, and remember, judgment fixes what sin breaks. When Jesus, when Jesus comes judging you, or when someone else comes and points out something that you've done wrong, don't run from it. Don't run from it. Embrace it. Because sin breaks and judgment fixes. Amen.